the Bible, the most unique book in all of human history. It claims to be divine in origin, and it delivers a message that, if true, affects every human being on the planet Earth, in this life, and in whatever awaits us when this life is over. The Bible is unique in its survival. Over the past 2,000 years, no other book has been subjected to the intense scrutiny that the Bible has endured. Generations of linguists, historians, and archaeologists have explored the details of the Bible's production and tested the accuracy of its transmission to us today. Critics and foes have come and gone. Problems have been raised and solved, and still the Bible stands. Totally alone in the degree of its historical accuracy and reliability. The Bible is also unique in foretelling future events. The Old Testament alone contains over 2,000 specific predictions about people, cities, nations, and empires. Predictions made hundreds of years before being perfectly fulfilled in history. The Bible is unique in its influence. It's been called the fountainhead of Western civilization and is by far the most quoted text in America's founding documents. Millions of men, women, and children from every station and walk of life have felt the liberating, redeeming power of this book of books, and their changed lives have changed the world and the course of history. The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar is your opportunity to hear this unique book, the entire Bible, every year. Now, here's the host of The Bible Live, Soapy Dollar. And here we are thanking you, as always, for joining us for tonight's reading from the Scriptures. We're going to continue our way through the book of Isaiah with its principal theme, the nature of God's judgment. Isaiah, a great prophet of God, proclaimed the message of God for the times in which he lived, which were very tumultuous, difficult times for Israel. He lived and ministered from 740 B.C. to 681 B.C. The principal date is 722 B.C. is right in there. That was the time when the Assyrian armies came down and conquered and destroyed Samaria and the northern ten tribes of Israel, leaving then Judah in the south with the tribe of Judah and Benjamin and those who had fled to Judah from the north. 722, it's a principal date of the Scriptures for you to remember. Isaiah lived on until the reign of Manasseh, an incredibly wicked, cruel, foolish king of Judah in the south who actually killed Isaiah, according to tradition. Uh, Isaiah was the prophet who was sawn in half, mentioned in the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. Isaiah lived through this very difficult time, and he preached God's judgment. The judgment of God on planet Earth is partial and is based entirely on God's eternal redemptive purposes, calling out a people from himself out of the human race. When a nation or a people group contributes to that plan of God to advance his kingdom here on the earth, he can use or bless them. Uh, Now, it is not the ultimate judgment when all evil and wickedness disappear, because in this earth, that kind of fairness doesn't exist. Bad things still happen to good people, and bad people sometimes prosper. Everything here functions toward the furtherment of God's kingdom. Well, before we talk more about that in Isaiah, let's go to the book of Psalms, the second half of Psalm 106 tonight on The Bible Life. Psalm 106, 34 through 48. Israel failed to destroy the nations in the land as the Lord had told them to. Instead, they mingled among the pagans and adopted their evil customs. 
They worshipped their idols, and this led to their downfall. They even sacrificed their sons and their daughters to the demons. They shed innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters. By sacrificing them to the idols of Canaan, they polluted the land with murder. They defiled themselves by their evil deeds, and their love of idols was adultery in the Lord's sight. That is why the Lord's anger burned against his people, and he abhorred his own special possession. He handed them over to pagan nations, and those who hated them ruled over them. Their enemies crushed them and brought them under their cruel power. Again and again he delivered them, but they continued to rebel against him, and they were finally destroyed by their sin. Even so, he pitied them in their distress and listened to their cries. He remembered his covenant with them and relented because of his unfailing love. He even caused their captors to treat them with kindness. O oh Lord our God, save us! Gather us back from among the nations so we can thank your holy name and rejoice and praise you. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Let all the people say, Amen. Praise the Lord. End of reading, Psalm 106, 34 through 48. You are all I need when I'm surrounded. You are all This is the Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. You're all I need. That's right. You're all I need, Lord. <laughs> Joyful song to get us into our reading from the book of Isaiah. Sometimes we don't know that God is all we need until he's all we have. That is often the case. We have to experience loss and deprivation before we realize what we have in the Lord. All of that is a part of this book of Isaiah. Tonight we get into a little bit more of a storytelling mode than just a listing of the sermons that Isaiah preached during his ministry. Tonight we come to this central event when the king of Assyria, Sennacherib, attacks Judah, and God delivers them from this attack, from this disaster, this tragedy. It is a textbook analysis of how we should respond to threat. Hezekiah goes straight to God in prayer. And by the way, the chapters 38 and 39 that we're going to read at the end of the reading, they actually come first chronologically. Hezekiah's illness and healing and God giving him 15 additional years came before this time of Assyria invading Judah. So you'll want to have that in mind. It's a very interesting picture for us tonight, a very great lesson on the Bible life. Isaiah 36, 1 through 39, 8. Isaiah 36. In the fourteenth year of King Hezekiah's reign, King Sennacherib of Assyria came to attack the fortified cities of Judah and conquered them. Then the king of Assyria sent his personal representative with a huge army from Lachish to confront King Hezekiah in Jerusalem. The Assyrians stopped beside the aqueduct that feeds water into the upper pool, near the road leading to the field where cloth is bleached. These are the officials who went out to meet with them. Eliakim, son of Hilkiah, the palace administrator, Shebna, the court secretary, and Joah, son of Asaph, the royal historian. 
Then the Assyrian king's personal representative sent this message to King Hezekiah. This is what the great king of Assyria says. What are you trusting in that makes you so confident? Do you think that mere words can substitute for military skill and strength? Which of your allies will give you any military backing against Assyria? Will Egypt? If you lean on Egypt, you will find it to be a stick that breaks beneath your weight and pierces your hand. The Pharaoh of Egypt is completely unreliable. But perhaps you will say, we are trusting in the Lord our God. But isn't he the one who was insulted by King Hezekiah? Didn't Hezekiah tear down his shrines and altars and make everyone in Judah worship only at the altar here in Jerusalem? I'll tell you what. My master, the king of Assyria, will strike a bargain with you. If you can find 2,000 horsemen in your entire army, he will give you 2,000 horses for them to ride on. With your tiny army, how can you think of challenging even the weakest contingent of my master's troops, even with the help of Egypt's chariots and horsemen? What's more, do you think we have invaded your land without the Lord's direction? The Lord himself told us, go and destroy it. Then Eliakim, Shebna, and Joah said to the king's representative, Please speak to us in Aramaic, for we understand it well. Don't speak in Hebrew, for the people on the wall will hear. But Sennacherib's representative replied, My master wants everyone in Jerusalem to hear this, not just you. He wants them to know that if you do not surrender, this city will be put under siege. The people will become so hungry and thirsty that they will eat their own dung and drink their own urine. Then he stood and shouted in Hebrew to the people on the wall, Listen to this message from the great king of Assyria. This is what the king says. Don't let King Hezekiah deceive you. He will never be able to rescue you. Don't let him fool you into trusting in the Lord by saying, The Lord will rescue us. This city will never be handed over to the Assyrian king. Don't listen to Hezekiah. These are the terms the king of Assyria is offering. Make peace with me. Open the gates and come out. Then I will allow each of you to continue eating from your own garden and drinking from your own well. Then I will arrange to take you to another land, like this one, a country with bountiful harvests of grain and wine, bread and vineyards, a land of plenty. Don't let Hezekiah mislead you by saying the Lord will rescue us. Have the gods of any other nations ever saved their people from the king of Assyria? What happened to the gods of Hamath and Arpad? And what about the gods of Sepharvaim? Did they rescue Samaria from my power? What god of any nation has ever been able to save its people from my power? Name just one. So what makes you think that the Lord can rescue Jerusalem? But the people were silent and did not answer because Hezekiah had told them not to speak. Then Eliakim, son of Hilkiah, the palace administrator, Shebna, the court secretary, and Joah, son of Asaph, the royal historian, went back to Hezekiah. They tore their clothes in despair, and they went in to see the king and told him what the Assyrian representative had said. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Isaiah 37. When King Hezekiah heard their report, he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and went into the temple of the Lord to pray. And he sent Eliakim the palace administrator, Shebna the court secretary, and the leading priests, all dressed in sackcloth, to the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos. They told him, this is what King Hezekiah says, This is a day of trouble, insult, and disgrace. It is like when a child is ready to be born, but the mother has no strength to deliver it. 
But perhaps the Lord your God has heard the Assyrian representative defying the living God and will punish him for his words. Oh, pray for those of us who are left. After King Hezekiah's officials delivered the king's message to Isaiah, the prophet replied, Say to your master, this is what the Lord says. Do not be disturbed by this blasphemous speech against me from the Assyrian king's messengers. Listen, I myself will make sure that the king will receive a report from Assyria telling him that he is needed at home. Then I will make him want to return to his land where I will have him killed with a sword. Meanwhile, the Assyrian representative left Jerusalem and went to consult his king who had left Lachish and was attacking Libna. Soon afterward, King Sennacherib received word that King Terhaka of Ethiopia was leading an army to fight against him. Before leaving to meet the attack, he sent this message back to Hezekiah in Jerusalem. This message is for King Hezekiah of Judah. Don't let this God you trust deceive you with promises that Jerusalem will not be captured by the king of Assyria. You know perfectly well what the kings of Assyria have done wherever they have gone. They have crushed everyone who stood in their way. Why should you be any different? Have the gods of other nations rescued them? Such nations as Gozan, Haran, Rezef, and the people of Eden who were in Tel Asar. The former kings of Assyria destroyed them all. What happened to the king of Hamath and the king of Arpad? What happened to the kings of Sepharvaim, Hena, and Eva? After Hezekiah received the letter and read it, he went up to the Lord's temple and spread it out before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed this prayer before the Lord. O Lord Almighty God of Israel, you are enthroned between the mighty cherubim. You alone are God of all the kingdoms of the earth. You alone created the heavens and the earth. Listen to me, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. Listen to Sennacherib's words of defiance against the living God. It is true, Lord, that the kings of Assyria have destroyed all these nations, just as the message says. And they have thrown the gods of these nations into the fire and burned them. But of course the Assyrians could destroy them. They were not gods at all, only idols of wood and stone shaped by human hands. Now, O Lord our God, rescue us from his power. Then all the kingdoms of the earth will know that you alone, O Lord, are God. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Then Isaiah, son of Amos, sent this message to Hezekiah. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. This is my answer to your prayer concerning King Sennacherib of Assyria. This is the message that the Lord has spoken against him. The virgin daughter of Zion despises you and laughs at you. The daughter of Jerusalem scoffs and shakes her head as you flee. Whom do you think you have been insulting and ridiculing? Against whom did you raise your voice? At whom did you look in such proud condescension? It was the Holy One of Israel. By your messengers you have mocked the Lord. You have said, with my many chariots I have conquered the highest mountains. Yes, the remotest peaks of Lebanon. I have cut down its tallest cedars and its choicest cypress trees. I have reached its farthest corners and explored its deepest forests. I have dug wells in many a foreign land and refreshed myself with their water. I even stopped up the rivers of Egypt so that my armies could go across. But have you not heard? It was I, the Lord, who decided this long ago. Long ago I planned what I am now causing to happen. 
that you should crush fortified cities into heaps of rubble. That is why their people have so little power and are such easy prey for you. They are as helpless as the grass, as easily trampled as tender green shoots. They are like grass sprouting on a housetop, easily scorched by the sun. But I know you well, your comings and goings and all you do. I know the way you have raged against me, and because of your arrogance against me, which I have heard for myself, I will put my hook in your nose and my bridle in your mouth. I will make you return by the road on which you came. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Here is the proof that the Lord will protect this city from a serious king. This year you will eat only what grows up by itself, and next year you will eat what springs up from that. But in the third year you will plant crops and harvest them. You will tend vineyards and eat their fruit. And you who are left in Judah, who have escaped the ravages of the siege, will take root again in your own soil, and you will flourish and multiply. For a remnant of my people will spread out from Jerusalem, a group of survivors from Mount Zion. The passion of the Lord Almighty will make this happen. And this is what the Lord says about the king of Assyria. His armies will not enter Jerusalem to shoot their arrows. They will not march outside its gates with their shields and build banks of earth against its walls. The king will return to his own country by the road on which he came. He will not enter this city, says the Lord. For my own honor and for the sake of my servant David, I will defend it. That night the angel of the Lord went out to the Assyrian camp and killed 185,000 Assyrian troops. When the surviving Assyrians woke up the next morning, they found corpses everywhere. Then King Sennacherib of Assyria broke camp and returned to his own land. He went home to his capital of Nineveh and stayed there. One day, while he was worshipping in the temple of his god Nisroch, his sons Adramelech and Sharazer killed him with their swords. They then escaped to the land of Ararat, and another son, Esarhaddon, became the next king of Assyria. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Isaiah 38 About that time Hezekiah became deathly ill, and the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to visit him. He gave the king this message. This is what the Lord says, Set your affairs in order, for you are going to die. You will not recover from this illness. When Hezekiah heard this, he turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, O Lord, how I have always tried to be faithful to you and do what is pleasing in your sight. Then he broke down and wept bitterly. Then this message came to Isaiah from the Lord. Go back to Hezekiah and tell him, This is what the Lord, the God of your ancestor David, says. I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will add fifteen years to your life, and I will rescue you and this city from the king of Assyria. Yes, I will defend this city. And this is the sign that the Lord will give you to prove he will do as he promised. I will cause the sun's shadow to move ten steps backward on the sundial of Ahaz. So the shadow on the sundial moved backward ten steps. When King Hezekiah was well again, he wrote this poem about his experience. I said, In the prime of my life, must I now enter the place of the dead? Am I to be robbed of my normal years? I said, Never again will I see the Lord God while still in the land of the living. Never again will I see my friends or laugh with those who live in this world. My life has been blown away like a shepherd's tent in a storm. 
It has been cut short as when a weaver cuts cloth from a loom. Suddenly my life was over. I waited patiently all night, but I was torn apart as though by lions. Suddenly my life was over. Delirious I chattered like a swallow or a crane, and then I moaned like a mourning dove. My eyes grew tired of looking to heaven for help. I am in trouble, Lord, help me. But what could I say? For he himself had sent this sickness. Now I will walk humbly throughout my years because of this anguish I have felt. Lord, your discipline is good, for it leads to life and health. You have restored my health and have allowed me to live. Yes, it was good for me to suffer this anguish, for you have rescued me from death and have forgiven all my sins. For the dead cannot praise you, they cannot raise their voices in praise. Those who go down to destruction can no longer hope in your faithfulness. Only the living can praise you as I do today. Each generation can make known your faithfulness to the next. Think of it. The Lord has healed me. I will sing his praises with instruments every day of my life in the temple of the Lord. Isaiah had said to Hezekiah's servants, Make an ointment from figs and spread it over the boil, and Hezekiah will recover. And Hezekiah had asked, What sign will prove that I will go to the temple of the Lord three days from now? You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Isaiah 39 Soon after this, Merodach Baladan, son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent Hezekiah his best wishes and a gift. He had heard that Hezekiah had been very sick and that he had recovered. Hezekiah welcomed the Babylonian envoys and showed them everything in his treasure houses, the silver, the gold, the spices, and the aromatic oils. He also took them to see his armory and showed them all his other treasures, everything. There was nothing in his palace or kingdom that Hezekiah did not show them. Then Isaiah the prophet went to King Hezekiah and asked him, What did those men want? Where were they from? Hezekiah replied, They came from the distant land of Babylon. What did they see in your palace? asked Isaiah. They saw everything, Hezekiah replied. I showed them everything I own, all my treasures. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Listen to this message from the Lord Almighty. The time is coming when everything you have, all the treasures stored up by your ancestors, will be carried off to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. Some of your own descendants will be taken away into exile. They will become eunuchs who will serve in the palace of Babylon's king. Then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, This message you have given me from the Lord is good. But the king was thinking, at least there will be peace and security during my lifetime. End of reading, Isaiah 36, 1 through 39, 8. When the day is done, and there's no one else around, while I'm lying here in bed, in my heart, you're, in you're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. You're all I need. What do you think of the experience of this king of Judah in the south, Hezekiah? Let's go chronologically, this illness that he experiences and his healing that comes from God's hand. 
He is promised 15 years of continued rain, continued life. Notice there that the sun went 10 steps backward on the sundial, and that may be a confusing way of mentioning that because we're used to a sundial that has sand that drops down from the top to the bottom. This was the Egyptian model of a sundial in the shape of an ascending staircase. As the sun moved, it would come down the steps of the staircase. And so you get here a little piece of historicity. The book of Isaiah and the text that we have is really very much in step with the realities of that time. The sun moved 10 steps back on the sundial giving evidence that the prophet's prediction would indeed come true. Now, this prediction that Isaiah makes in chapter 39, when this Merodach Baladan, this prince of Babylon comes, this is really going out on the limb. Historically, we know that at this time, Babylon was still under Assyria. Isaiah is going out on a limb here because Merodach Baladan, or Babylon, is struggling under the dictatorship of Assyria just like everybody else. But Isaiah predicts a hundred years early that it would not be Assyria that would conquer Judah. Hezekiah was worrying about the wrong enemy. It'd be like us. We've been so distracted in fighting off communism of Russia for so many years. And all of a sudden we realize that they're not our real threat. It's really China all this time. That's the way I want you to think of scriptures. This isn't some kind of fairy tale. These were real people, real kingdoms, nations, and power groups. Isaiah stepped out a hundred years early and predicted that it would not be Assyria that would conquer Jerusalem and Judah and take them into exile. It was going to be the Babylonians. Back again to this immediate threat. Sennacherib of Assyria had already moved down the coastline and conquered other cities. And yet we see here Hezekiah, uh, who definitely has had a problem with pride. But in this case, he went straight to God. That is the response of God's people faced with imminent disaster or tragedy or hardship. Prayer. Go to our God. And his prayer is a magnificent prayer. You can see the beauty of it. O Lord of heaven's armies, God of Israel. I see a little bit of Isaiah's influence over Hezekiah. He has a high and lofty vision of God, the sovereignty of God who controls all the men and nations. You alone are God of all the kingdoms of the earth. And God hears and responds to his prayer. In this world on planet earth, judgment is exercised on the basis of how men and nations advance his purposes, his redemptive plan for humanity. I will be their God, they will be my people. God is calling out a people for himself out of the human race over the generations, over the centuries. Men and nations are judged on the basis of how we help forward and advance the kingdom of God or are we standing in the way. So that should give you some idea of how to pray for America in the times in which we live. Now, as soon as Hezekiah here died, the nation of Israel rushes back to its sinful ways under the leadership of Manasseh, his son. So chapter 40 forward in Isaiah takes on a whole different tone. Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Sophie reads from the New Living Translation by Tyndale House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America. And your financial support is needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to the Bible Live, Post Office Box 18888. That's The Bible Live, P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas, 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Now don't forget, join us each weekday for The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. 
Start today, and in one year's time, we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's Word. 